HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a butter egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st hrn. This week on Meet and 3, it's the final episode of our series on global trade. We're thinking futuristically, from China's ambitious plans for a new Silk Road to the future of borders and automation. If you're a banana, you know, it's easy to cross the border. But if you're a person who's trying to follow the jobs, uh, it's a lot more difficult, if not impossible, to do so in an authorized and safe fashion. They love food trucks and they love growing your own food because these things are not dependent on essentially government systems. So there's a whole politics to pretzels on the dark web. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, I hope they are all tuning into Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. That means lots of different things. Sometimes that means software for restaurants, back of the house. Sometimes that means apps for people to order food. Sometimes that means actual food innovation that you can get in the grocery store and bring home and have for dinner. Today, we have a really fun topic. It's sort of everything old is new again. Do you remember stories about the automat? Did you actually get to go to the automat? Well, there is a new automat. If you never did or you wondered or you missed it and you love it, there's a new automat kitchen in Jersey City. And we're going to talk to the owner and the consulting chef today about what the automat looks like in 2021. So joining us today, we have Joe Scudelero, who's the owner. Joe, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And Kirino Silva, who is the consulting chef, who will henceforth be known as Q. <laughs> hey, Jen. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for calling in. Um, it's such a fun idea, the automat. You know, we have so much nostalgia for it. Um, the original automat was in the late 1800s in Berlin. It came to the United States. Horn and Hardet is probably the name most people are familiar with. The first one opened in Philadelphia in 1902 and came to New York City. 
back then, it took nickels. You put a nickel in the slot, you turn the button, you open the little door, and behind the door was a piece of pie or a sandwich or something like that. And you sat down and, and, and had lunch or dinner, and it was kind of fun. And then they disappeared like so many things. But it's something that I think Joe was very nostalgic for and really, really loved and enjoyed. And more than 10 years ago, sort of started a march to open a new automat. So, Joe, you've been working on this project since way back in the early 2000s. That's right, Jen. Yeah, we, we, uh, we started this project in a little before 2005. But, you know, it had always been kind of a, a I don't want to call it passion of mine, but but just something I've always thought about, you know, I remember going to the automat as a child uh, with my grandmother, actually. We lived in Hoboken, uh, right across the river from New York City. And uh, especially around the holidays, we would always make a trip into the city, uh, uh, probably to go to Rockefeller Center, see the Rockettes, maybe uh, see a movie. And uh, we would always stop at the automat whenever we went into the city. Uh, at that time, I think it was the one in Times Square. Uh, that we stopped at. Uh, and I, I was just, as a kid, I don't remember exactly how old I was, maybe eight, nine, ten, 10, when we first started doing that, I remember, and just was fascinated by by how it worked and being able to go up and see everything you wanted and just choose what you want. Put, I think at that time it was a quarter. <laughs> I don't think it was a nickel. <laughs> uh, but put the quarter in the slot, turn the knob, and, and out came your piece of pie. And then the little wheel inside would turn and the next piece of pie would magically appear. So it was just, it was just something that made an impression upon me in my youth and, and I thought was just very, very cool. Do you, um, do you have more memories about the actual you know, food that you were eating or was it just the idea of you know, putting the money into the slot and then turning it and having the food sort of magically appear or was it everything all together? Do you remember what your favorite things were to eat did you always get the same thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I I wish I could tell you I had those specific memories. I mean, it was really more about the experience and 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 being there. And uh, like, if I really thought about it, like I said, I mentioned pie. I think I remember getting desserts or pies uh, were, were were very good. My grandmother would usually get a cup of coffee, and I remember you know those big dolphin head um, um, coffee uh, uh, spigots that the coffee would come out of because you would also put, you know, a coin in there, turn the knob and coffee would come out of the dolphin head. Uh, so really more the experience than the actual food um, uh, that from, from my memory, just, just, but, but always made me very happy. So I think, you know, everything that we read and look at and see about the automat has a very similar patina to it, you know, just something, um, you know, like fun and unique and, and comforting and the self-serve and, it's definitely, there's no shortage of, of love and nostalgia for the automat. What was it, though, that made you decide to actually try and open a new one? I mean, opening, you you work in um, the restaurant business, um, you know, in adjacently, you know, in accounting and financial services. So you know firsthand how difficult and challenging it is to open any kind of restaurant, let alone a restaurant that might require some new technology. What was it that made you decide to finally, you know, pull the trigger on it? Well, I think it was exactly my accounting background. Um, you know, I've, I've been a CPA, you know, for almost 40 years now. Uh, and, and I always, you know, worked in the restaurant and hospitality business. 
uh, actually one of my very first clients that I had uh, on my own was a restaurant in, in um, lower Manhattan called Chelsea Place, uh, which was just a, a very cool restaurant down in the village, in the Chelsea section of the village. And, and, and I would love to go there. And, and that was my first experience doing restaurant accounting. Uh, and, and then I just kept doing, have done, you know, franchisees, franchisors, multiple unit restaurants. And, you know, in the restaurant business, you know, there, there are basically three main costs, right? There's the food cost. Uh, there's the rent, uh, keeping those two in control. And then there's the labor, which sometimes could be the biggest cost and the hardest to control. And, you know, I always thought, hey, you know, if we can eliminate most, if not all, of the front of house labor, which the automat concept really did, you know, you didn't have to have a cashier, you didn't have to have an order taker, you didn't have to have a server. Uh, so you saved all those costs. Plus, it was cool. Uh, I really thought as a business model, beyond just being cool, it could work. Uh, so, so that was really kind of what the impetus was, uh, was from an accounting standpoint, in my mind, that uh, it should should work uh, in, in this uh, day. Now, the old ones got kind of dated with the mechanical, you know, putting the coin in. People, even by the time the last one went away in the ni- early 90s, the one on 42nd Street in New York City, uh, you know, the machinery had gotten clunky. So it, it needed to be the combination of updated technology along with that concept and, and saving the front of house costs. So you had a very unique window into the real costs and real experience of what running a restaurant is. So many times when people transition into hospitality in the restaurant business from other professions because of the love of food or the love of community or the space that they're going to create, a lot of times people don't really understand what the back end looks like (laughs) when you're opening a restaurant. So that's great that you had that really clear view and and knew how to make it work. Let's talk about the technology side because it's, I mean, at the time, the Automat was sort of a marvel. I mean, I think as you remember your nostalgia for it, is, is it being a little bit of a marvel? You know, technology has come, you know, quite a long way since then. And actually the technology that you have today with it is, um, in so many ways, given the global pandemic and our desire to be physically, you know, kind of distant and have contactless retail experiences, it's actually kind of the perfect idea for right now. So w- walk us through what your automat looks like today in terms of the customer experience, how it works. Well, we, we wanted to try to make it, we wanted to pay homage to the original automat. So we, we wanted to try to, you know, uh, bring bring in that old, but obviously this is very tech driven. So you know the, the experience is going to be high tech. Uh, we believe first of all from the wall itself. Uh, you know now we designed it using stainless steel, although we could we could have used any uh, frontage. So you have a you have a wall when you walk into the restaurant. There is a wall of little uh, boxes or you know boxes with little. Um, drawer, not drawers, but boxes with little doors that open similar to the original. It's just that they're automated now. <laughs> uh, correct. It's a wall of boxes yeah. in, in the mm-hmm. one in Jersey City. It's 20 boxes or cubbies. And the door that opens is actually a touch screen, uh, an interactive touch screen. Uh, so it can communicate with you. 
and you can communicate with it. Uh, and, and it opens, you know, uh, kind of goes up like a garage door. Um, and, 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 you know, even the mechanics of, of, of getting the door to open and with this heavy, um, you know, touch screen and, and getting the right mechanism to open the door took uh, months and months uh, from a mechanical standpoint to get right uh, of, of testing at the fabrication uh, center. So uh, every little detail uh, for, for, of the wall was was a kind of challenge because we were reinventing something. You can also open the door um, with just a code, and you don't actually have to physically touch it if you don't want to. Yeah, so that's one of the cool, I'll call it COVID-19 enhancements. Um, you know, uh, we, we were scheduled to actually open uh, uh, in April. The, our wall got delivered in, in February, and we were shooting for- Of what, an, of, of 2019? Uh, February 2020, I'm sorry. February 2020. Uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. So we were scheduled to open February 2020. Our wall got delivered in April. Uh, and then, obviously, the pandemic hit, and uh, Jersey City became a ghost town, especially in that area of Jersey City. And we decided, well, you know, we stopped the final phases of construction, went on hold uh, until we ultimately opened in January of 2021. So almost a whole year later, uh, you know, nine, 10 months later. But in the meantime, we said, hey, you know, we're not a touchless experience completely. And COVID was calling for a touchless experience. So how can we enhance our software to make it touchless? So uh, the ordering process always, we contemplated the possibility of touchless ordering on your smartphone or on your computer. Although we have kiosks in the uh, in the restaurant, we, we, if you wanted to use the kiosk, you would have to touch. But one of the enhancements we made on the kiosk is when you go to it, it has a QR code. Uh, and that QR code is is going to um, you can scan with your phone, so even you could use the kiosk but still be touchless. The bigger enhancement was in opening the boxes because originally the only way to open the box was to get a code uh, via text, punch that code in, so you would have to touch the touch screen. Just three little pecs, but still in all, you would have to touch the touch screen. And so we we challenged our software developers, and they came up with a solution where now when you get that text message that tells you your order is ready and what box it's in, in our wall, you can go to that box and actually type in open and reply with the word open to that text, and the box will open without you ever having to touch the touch screen. That's pretty amazing. And, um, you know, it's um, really the, the kind of perfect idea for things now for the way people are wanting to interact with the world and their retail experience to have a experience where people order online or they order on their phone, they come in, they, you know, hit a code and a, a door magically opens and, and then there's lunch. Yep. That's, that's pretty that's amazing. It. So Q, tell us about the food end of this, because one thing that's notable about the original Automat is that um, it was almost like vending machines in the idea that you had a kitchen and restaurant people on the other side of the wall that were filling up the different cubby holes in the slot so you could see what you were getting. And then it, you know, sort of turned, turned as people would take things. So the food was made and then was sitting in the boxes, um, Probably not for very long during rush hour, maybe a little bit longer other times of day. But this is a, a 
a system that is built to have the food prepared to order, which is very different. So it's being delivered to order at time for the pickup for the customer. So explain to us um, how the, the, the kitchen side of the, the customer process and the tech process works. Sure. So the, you know, the original or traditional form of Automat, um, you know, they uh, utilize commissary kitchens uh, spread across the city um, in order to pre- prepare that product, ship it out pretty much ready to go off the shelf. Um, while they probably had some facilities on site, um, a lot of it was, again, prepackaged and was simply a matter of restocking the uh, the, the, the bays, the uh, boxes. So it's the the automat as the original ghost kitchen. <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty much. And so what we wanted to do, um, you know, the 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 beauty of automat, you know, the really the appeal of it is definitely the 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 technology uh technology behind it and um and how it is, you know, very appropriate for this uh time, this pandemic that we're living through. Um so the food can actually be, you know, really anything that you want it to be. Um, we created a menu um, that is reminiscent of the traditional standards that that the uh, original Automat served. Um, so we have some great chicken pot pie, mac and cheese, um, sandwiches, breakfast items. Um, and so we can really kind of hit those uh, nostalgic points, but it's also a little bit more cosmopolitan. We've incorporated um, Asian uh, flavors, uh, Southwestern flavors and really just being um, very free about that. Uh, but what, you know, in terms of the operations, uh, really once the orders is placed on the, either on the kiosk or through somebody's phone or on their computer at home or however they, they place that order, um, once it heads to the back of the kitchen, it's, it's a pretty much a, a pretty contemporary style uh, kitchen. The orders pop up on digital displays, uh, the cooks get a, a notification and, you know, get to work on making that order pretty quickly. Um, food comes out because it is made fresh to order um, about five to 10 minutes and it comes out hot, fresh, you know, the, the, the produce is quality, the, you know, the proteins are, are solid and, you know, it's piping hot. So um, that's kind of our, our new take on it. And it's a little bit, you know, what we're going for is a real wow factor. It, uh, when people come to Automat, they they come for the experience, I think. But then, what we want is when they open their bag, and uh, whenever they're ready to eat, they're just like, "Wow, this is actually really quality, uh, a really quality meal uh, in a very convenient package." It's such a fun idea, um, and it it um, Jersey City. It's in a it's in a building where it's initially, um, I think your initial consumer market was sort of people working in offices and professionals and people passing through Jersey City. Um, so sort of that convenience for everybody on the day-to-day. But now can, I think everybody needs convenience, even if they're not sort of physically going to a different location to work. Um, but packaging has become such a... a an important thing 
you know, packaging is something that we've talked about before on this show, you know, with the rise of delivery and the delivery apps and the delivery services and the rise of the, you know, meal kits and online grocery and all those kinds of things, especially after this year of kind of sheltering in place and staying at home, the amount of packaging that I see on the street in New York City is just staggering and breathtaking. And it's it's also, you know, starting to be, you know, kind of a little bit of a concern, I think, from an environmental point of view, just the amounts of, of you know, cardboard and paper and containers that we have. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you strategize the packaging because the concept is a to-go concept from the beginning. Um, it is a takeaway concept from the beginning. So tell us about the process for your packaging, because not only I'm sure as a, as a chef, you want it to be great when they open the box and, you know, putting a waffle into a box has its own challenges. I'm sure. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, it's 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 a great thing that you know working with the the group uh, the ownership group for Automat they are very much like minded and recognize that this would be a concern since um, like any other kind of uh, QSR concept everything is going to be packaged in disposable packaging um, so that being said you know it's it you really want to minimize the impact uh, the environmental impact and what we did is we uh, partnered with a company eco products that makes um, great uh, compostable and uh, disposable packaging. And it's, if it's not compostable, then it's either made out of recycled materials or it can be recycled. That's kind of our, 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 our guidelines for, for the packaging. Um, we wanted to make sure that uh, one, that it, it holds up for the food. Uh, it travels well. Um, it looks good. And that it's not gonna, you know, hurt the planet, basically. Um, because I agree, you know, once COVID really got started, you know, restaurateurs are, are quick to adapt and, and evolve, and they very quickly moved to, uh, you know, all takeout uh, options as well as meal kits. But that definitely um, created a lot of a, a lot of, you know, this plastic uh, kind of floating around in everyone's homes, uh, boxes, bags, uh, you know, straws, all these things that had already been an issue and had already, we'd already started to see a little bit of a a turning of the tide in the industry moving towards, um, more eco-friendly products. But, um, but yeah, when we, when we were looking at it, we, we decided that it's worth, there's a little bit of an an increased cost on our side. Um, but we think that our, our guests would appreciate, um, the fact that we're taking those things into account, um, as we, as we roll this out. Definitely. I think consumers have more time to spend getting to know, um, their retailers, their restaurants, you know, the products, how things are coming to them, where they're coming from. Um, we're spending so much more time on our computers, looking at things, learning about things, reading things that I do think that in this, uh, over the course of the past year, um, you know, consumer awareness on so many different levels has increased, across the board. And I do think that um, people are really continuing to make choices about where they spend their money based on these different touch points, environmentalism, you know, fair trade, um, you know, worker life quality, and all those different kinds of things. 
We're going to take a quick break right now and find out who the sponsor is of this show. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit and we keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of underwriters like this one? Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier, with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also frozen, pre-baked, folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres called Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st slash hrn. Well, today we are talking about Automat Kitchen, which is a brand new reboot of an old favorite idea. If you are interested in checking out Automat Kitchen, go to automatkitchen.com. You can follow them on social media at automat underscore kitchen. And the actual shop is located at 525 Washington Boulevard in Jersey City. And today we're talking with the owner and the idea man, Joe Scudelero, and his consulting chef, Kniro Silva, about their recently opened, actually last year, perfect, perfect concept, although nostalgic, for modern times. So it's a completely contactless experience if people, you know, don't want to touch anything they don't have to, which is kind of amazing. How has the rollout of this been? I know you just have one shop and and you had a delay in a timeline and, you know, added some features to it. On the one hand, this is a perfect concept for right now. On the other hand, is it challenging because people aren't out and about as much? People haven't quite returned to working at the office. What has the initial, you know, first few months of business been like? And what were the surprises, Joe? Well, so we've been open almost exactly a month. I think we our, our first day that we had any sales was January 25th. Um, and, and it has been, you know, it, I, I wish I could tell you it was all roses and, and great for the first month. The great news is what we were most concerned about was the technology, the mechanical operation of the wall, the software. Um, and then, of course, the food, the taste of the food and the quality of the food. Well, that has all been incredible. Uh, we've had not, we, we've had no glitches. I, I hate that. I'm going to knock on wood. I don't want to jinx myself. <laughs> but we've had no glitches in the mechanics or in the software. Uh, so that's all worked be- even better than we hoped. I think we had one of the 20 cubbies that were was down for a couple of days. But with the reduced volume, um, you know, you would never know it because we had 19 operating boxes, so the, cu- the customer would never know. Uh, but, you know, the real challenge has been, as you said, the traffic, the, the people in that building, the building we're in, you know, had 4,000 tenants uh, when we signed our lease, right? 
uh, now uh, they're under 5% occupancy of people actually coming in, you know. Uh, so that does make it uh, difficult when you only have a couple of hundred people coming to a building that was supposed to have 4,000 people in it. Uh, we're, we're connected, as you said, to the mall. The light rail station is behind us. The path station is on the other side. And, and so all that traffic that we were counting on to, to generate the sales that we need to keep a business like this open has really not been there. Um, so what we quickly did is, um, you know, we turned to delivery, uh, which actually we're just starting in earnest this week through through some of the delivery services. Uh, because the, the, originally we said, well, we're not, we don't want to do delivery because the whole point was, even though we're a grab and go concept, if you will, we have seating in the restaurant. But whether uh, you had mentioned packaging earlier, whether you were going to sit in the restaurant and eat or take it to go, you're getting it in a package, uh, you know, in packaging. Uh, so we, and that's why, as Q talked about, we were very, very conscious about that because we knew uh, we were going to be packaging everything to go, whether you were to going or not. Um, but we really never, we really wanted to stay away from delivery uh, because we felt that really wasn't what the concept was about. The concept was about coming to the restaurant, experiencing the touch screens or the, or the, or the cool big, you know, 50 inch monitors, uh, you know, four of them across the top of the wall, playing videos and, and showing different things. Uh, but, you know, people are not coming out and there is a residential community around this location, um, some high-rise buildings. So now we've kind of, you know, switched gears and are marketing to that so that we, you know, to keep open, uh, you know, to keep the lights on, to pay the rent while uh, while we're waiting for the commuters and tenants to come back uh, to the building. And Q, is there much of a difference between making and packaging the food to have pickup at the automat kitchen itself versus picked up by a delivery person? No. Does it have any impact on the on the back of the house? No, not not particularly. Um, we did a lot of testing with the packaging before we opened, uh, looking at how it traveled, um, how it sat, and then also how it uh, reheated. So uh, we feel confident that you know the the again the the cold stuff's going to stay you know fresh and crispy, and then the hot stuff's going to stay you know warm and and soft and and uh, and appealing. So. Uh, we really just handle it the same way. Um, again, as we kind of get underway with the delivery, we'll see. I mean, I'll, we always encourage feedback um, from our, our guests. And um, there's an email uh, attached to every order so they can let us know if, if there was any issues. But um, but yeah, then that's definitely something to always thinking about um, working with particularly third-party delivery services. Um, just because, you know, the, the drivers vary. It's always a different person to taking the food. And, you know, each person uh, has their own individual uh, ways of, of handling that. So we we trust that, you know, I, I've worked with the, these delivery companies in the past on other concepts. Uh, and I do feel that they, you know, they take take the precautions that they need to and they're good about, you know, making sure they get to the, uh, the, the guests on time. So uh, I feel like, you know, the, the, the packaging will hold up. Uh, the food will definitely hold up. Uh, and if it does kind of cool down a little bit, it's uh, it's it works really well to reheat. Um, and we've, again, we've gotten a lot of uh, feedback from our own testing on that. So I feel confident. Joe, how did you navigate the decision um, in terms of which delivery platforms you were going to go with? You know, we're actually putting together a show on delivery platforms um, 
for this spring season on Tech Bytes. It's something that we talk about every now and again. Um, it has become such a contentious topic in the restaurant and hospitality world yep. on so many fronts. It, you know, prior to the pandemic, um, it was definitely contentious because of the um, percentage points that the delivery services were taking per order because of some of the dubious um, marketing practices that some of the delivery companies were doing, setting up websites, um, different phone lines, um, really, you know, the issue of the delivery, the third-party platforms, um, maintaining the the relationship with the consumer and all of the consumer data points, um, and, you know, the restaurants being really kind of just like a fulfillment center in many ways. Um, now, with the pandemic, you know, those numbers are, you know, still pretty high. Um, you know, there's been some oh, reductions or, you know, things like that, maximums. Um, but still 15% or 20% is still 15 or 20% in a business where your margin is sometimes like 12 or 8%. <laughs> and then now we have the, um, you know, sort of uh, n- newer issue, um, which has become um, a little bit more critical. And that's sort of the health and well-being of the actual delivery people themselves, which is a whole other issue now that they are, you know, essential workers and potentially exposing themselves to, you know, the coronavirus and different, you know, in different environments. And then also sort of the, you know, in some instances, uh, difficulty in, you know, getting work, maintaining work, all those kinds of things. So the actual delivery person piece of the puzzle um, has become, has moved sort of front and center during the pandemic. So as a new business owner, as a new restaurant owner, you know, sort of having your your business open right now in the time of it, how did you, um, you know, make the decisions on which platforms you wanted to go with? And just out of curiosity, which ones did you choose if people, you know, want to look for you? Sure. Do you have people ordering on your website and then you just use a, a last mile kind of delivery person or what, what did you put together? So I wish I had, uh, you know, I wish I could tell you it was like a well thought out strategic plan of which one to to uh, uh, choose. But we use a, our POS provider is Toast. And, and uh, by the way, they've been great uh, from a tech standpoint, um, you know, helping us uh, get to this point. And they uh, have an arrangement with DoorDash uh, that allows you to either make an order on our system. So when you order, uh, when you make your order, you you could start off on our website, but you're going to be going to a um, Toast-controlled website to make your order. They're our POS system. Uh, And they had a deal with DoorDash where if you chose delivery, they would automatically send that order over to DoorDash uh, to then fulfill the order. Uh, So that goes through our system just like any other order would uh, if you were on the kiosk or you did it directly on 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 our website via the Toast website. Uh, so since we were going to do, since we decided to add delivery and Toast had the relationship with DoorDash, we said, well, let's also sign up for DoorDash so we're on their platform, right? We could have just uh, had DoorDash fulfill via the Toast platform, but you would have had to log on to Automatic Kitchen, order, and choose delivery. Uh, that fee is a set fee. The way they do that, um, that's a set fee of seven dollars and fifty cents, which you're allowed to, uh, you know, 
decide how much you want to break up between the customer and and the and the uh, vendor, the automatic kitchen. So we basically decided to split that 50-50, absorb half of it and pass half of it on. But we then also signed up for DoorDash where, you know, you could go on the DoorDash site uh, and, and order from the DoorDash site and then DoorDash will fulfill and, and will fulfill and DoorDash will deliver. And that fee structure, as you said, is different. Uh, that's now uh, the only good news there is New Jersey because of COVID and the and, and all the spike in delivery services passed a law limiting that charge to 15%, uh, where it normally would be 20, 25%, which is why we really originally weren't considering uh, delivery. Uh, but at the 15%, like you said, it's not optimal, but it, you know, it's keeping our employees uh, busy and, and you know, getting, getting our revenues up. Uh, well, we hopeful. We, we only just started it late last week with the toast uh, part and then this week with the DoorDash part. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Well, you're in a unique situation in that your business is set up for people to order online first, probably from your website. So that's part of your customer experience. So um, hopefully you'll have people who are used to going to you directly versus, you know, scrolling through a third party delivery site, you know, looking for something. Um, so your business is actually perhaps set up in a, in an optimum way to be then integrating into uh, delivery service. You don't have to sort of reinvent the wheel as it were, because you're already, you're already online ordering and doing all those kinds of things. I'm going to ask you um, both the same question from different points of view. Um, I know it's always challenging to know how a restaurant is going to go in the first few months in the first year. Uh, famously, you know, notably, everyone says if your restaurant can survive the first year, you're golden. Um, it's a challenging business. It's challenging to forecast. I can't imagine how challenging it must be now. In this, in this point in time, going into year two soon of the pandemic. Joe, how do you um, plan to expand the business? What, what are you planning for the next couple months, the next six months? Is it even possible to plan for the next year? Well, you know, if, if, if you know, it's either grow or die in, in most businesses, right? So, yeah, we, we are planning. Uh, um, luckily, we have a great group of investors like you know, you had mentioned that I'm the owner. Well, I'm really kind of the principal, one of the principal owners, and and you know the guy who came up with the idea with a couple of other guys back 15 years ago and and stayed at it. But like any other business, we had to bring in investors to help fund this uh, venture. Uh, and the invent- investors have been very supportive, and and we are already looking for location two, three, and four to open up in the next two to three years. We really want to. Want, want to try to get out there uh, in, in the New York, New Jersey uh, area, open up another two or three, possibly even one maybe in, in Central Florida around the theme parks, because we didn't mention this, but one of our uh, um, original owners is an ex-Disney guy um, mm. who, who uh, w- w- had a theme park consulting business. And back 15 years ago, we went to him as a consultant to help us develop the concept and he loved it so much that he became an owner and he's a member of our board of directors uh, and, and was very helpful in, in the early stages and laying out the concept and, and getting it to, uh, you know, something that, that, that made sense based on his theme park 
uh, consulting experience. He's been a great partner. Uh, so we definitely are looking at, at, at expanding to uh, location two, three, and four within the next two to three years. And the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is we've gotten a lot of interest and we're talking to some institutional food companies, uh, for instance, college and universities. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there are some of the big players in that space that have been dabbling in, in this type of automated food delivery system on college campuses. So we've been speaking to them. Uh, we've had some of them come and visit our restaurant now that we're open. And also airport. Um, it, again, this is a great concept, airport rest stops, um, because it is at its heart, you know, grab and go. Uh, and, you know, you can think about it. You could be driving down down the New Jersey Turnpike or Parkway and say, all right, I, you know, I just want to stop quick, get gas. I can order ahead, you know, pick my time and, and, and just go in and grab and go, you know. Uh, so those are kind of the other things on the horizon for Automat Kitchen as far as we're concerned. And how about on the culinary side and the kitchen side, Q? Do you, you're in a pretty consistent spot though, because comfort food is always popular. <laughs> For sure, definitely, yeah. And and when times are are tough, I think people will look to that um, again, that kind of nourishment that reminds them of of better times, right? The the traditional food that they might have had with their family, um, and just you know good memories associated with that. And also food that's easy. I also think sometimes when, you know, life is so challenging and we have so many things that we're thinking about and processing on an intellectual level, I I don't want to think too much about like deconstructing what it is that I'm eating for dinner. You know, I love all kinds of dining experiences and, um, you know, love to eat, you know, around the world, different types of cooking, you know, fine dining, molecular gastronomy, you know, things that are challenging but I don't know if right now I want to be challenged by my dinner. I want my dinner maybe to be very, very familiar and a very well-known, you know, old friend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely a, a time and place for, you know, experimenting and, and trying new things. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, I definitely enjoy that myself. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just, you know, just want some mac and cheese um, that tastes really good and you know it's going to be good. Uh, every time you get it. So um, yeah, it, and, and the, the concept is really, again, kind of agnostic to that. Um, and it, it, it scales really well. Uh, you know, putting this in, in some sort of institution, whether it's a college campus, airport, um, what have you, you know, it's all about designing the kitchen uh, to service and kind of funnel orders to, to a central point where they can then kind of be distributed to the boxes. So we have a, you know, an expediter in the kitchen, a, a, a staff member um, who kind of controls that flow as orders are, are completed, boxed up, they hand them to the expediter. They, the expediter then has, you know, all the tickets up and um, uh, puts them in the bag, makes sure they have everything that they need in terms of their silverware and napkins and those kinds of items. Um, and then they have a separate display where they can then assign uh, the order to the box. Um, but if you think about that, you know, it really, it can be done again, it can scale really well because you can have, um, in a larger, in a larger kitchen and we don't have a large kitchen, but it, it works for what we're doing. Um, but if you're trying to have service, maybe a hundred boxes, 200 boxes on a college campus, you might divide it up by saying, you know, uh, your salad, uh, salad area is going to have 30 boxes dedicated 
dedicated to it, uh, your uh, hot foods um, are going to have 40. And then you're going to have, you know, pastries are going to have the 30, wall whatever. of pie, like the original automat. <laughs> yeah, Just exactly. a wall of pie. <laughs> so I, I would, I would I'm in. see it. I'm in. Where do I fly? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you just, I think you just kind of, you set it, it's how you set up the kitchen on the backside. And then you just, you know, direct the, the, your, your guests to say, hey, this is where you go for this, these types of items. This is where you go for these other types of items. And yeah, it scales really well. Um, and it works with just about anything. What's been the most popular thing so far? Uh, it's funny. So this is something that we didn't really expect, but uh, because we did try to be innovative in terms of uh, the fusions that we were doing with the recipe, uh, the recipes and the menu items. Um, but our most popular item so far has been the chicken parm sandwich. <laughs> mm. um, it's, I mean, and it's solid. I mean, it's, it's a delicious item. We, um, we were playing with it. It wasn't on our original menu, but uh, when we got started doing the training uh, with staff and the managers, um, it, it just was something we had made one day for ourselves and, and we started playing with it. And, and the ownership group had kind of asked about something that was a little bit more portable and easy to eat um, one-handed. And so we said, well, we can do sandwiches for sure because we already had bread. Um, and we have this really good uh, roasted chicken uh, that we do. Uh, that's on another dish and we uh were able to use that incorporate that into the sandwich some great uh homemade marinara sauce uh, baby spinach fresh basil and then a bunch of cheese on uh toasted focaccia which and then a bunch of cheese is basically yeah, what does I mean, it right <laughs> yeah oh no that sets it off I mean, it's and it's it's fun uh to watch i i i do a lot of my a lot of my consulting is based on um helping new concepts get open and so it's always uh, a little bit of an unknown, you know, when you're creating a menu and to really see, you know, to see what takes off because, you know, you, you study the market and you watch what's going on and what, you know, you put things on the menu that you think are going to be popular, but for whatever reason, you know, it just something will always surprise you. And, and for that, that specific item to, to take off is, is great. I mean, we love it. There's great uh, costs on that for us. Um, and the, the, the guests really enjoy it. So. That's, That's fun. Cool. Yeah. So we are just we are just about out of time. And I'm going to ask Joe one last question. So Joe, it's been more than 15 years in the making, opening your automat kitchen. Did it fulfill the fantasy and the dream for you? Did it bring back that nostalgia? Uh, 100%. I'm, I'm very happy with, with um, w the product that we wound up with. Uh, I wish it didn't take 15 years. But one of the good things that came out of a 15-year process is um, my 35-year-old son is in marketing. Uh, he works for a marketing firm in the city. Uh, and I was able to get him involved with the project as well. He kind of head up, heads up our marketing uh, team. And so it's also given me a great opportunity to get a chance to work with my son. So that's kind of one of was one of the – because 15 years ago, you know, he I think was still in high school or, or – you know, so, uh, or, or maybe just early college. So it wasn't going to be part of the project. So that was one of the uh, positives, but yeah, I, I think we, we've, it took longer than we thought, but we, I, I think we got to what, what we wanted. And I'm very happy with, with the results, both from the technology side and by the way, the food, I mean, uh, Q has done just a great job, uh, with the food, uh, ha has blown away my expectations in the way the flavor and the feedback we've gotten and, and the speed that we're able to turn this around and, in that small kitchen behind the wall, but uh, uh, everything has come out uh, really better than we thought. Now we just need people to come. 
<laughs> well, and if people want to go, again, you can find them online at automatkitchen.com. You can find them on Instagram at automat underscore kitchen. And if you happen to be in Jersey City, they are at 525 Washington Boulevard. I want to thank Joe and Q for calling in this morning and telling us the story of Automat Kitchen. It's it's really um, nice to see something nostalgic come back, and actually it couldn't be a more perfect time for something like the Automat. I want to thank all of our listeners. How did you find us today? Did you find us on heritageradionetwork.org? Did you find us on Spotify or iTunes? If you found us on a podcasting platform, it would be really wonderful if you could subscribe to Tech Bytes and leave us an amazing five-star review. The more votes and subscriptions and reviews we have, the better it is for the show. And the better it is for the show, that means we get to make more podcasts. Make sure you come back and see us every week, Tech Bites on Heritage Radio Network. Tech Bites is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter, Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.